Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. I'm reminded just how wonderful you are. What an awesome opportunity to sing that praise to you this morning. Lord, we come to you this morning with an opportunity. We gather together to hear you. Open our ears. Lord, if our hearts are hard for some reason this morning, soften them. Lord, we come here to experience you. Not to warm a pew, but just to hear from you this morning. Change our lives. May your word be powerful in our own lives. Restore those areas, Lord, that need restored. Build us and encourage us that we may take this message, your story, your hope, into this world. Lord, I pray for anyone who has come discouraged this morning. Anyone who is feeling less than or judged, I pray, Lord, that you would remind them that they are loved. And that you sent your son, Jesus. That they are loved no matter what the world says. Remind them, Lord, just how much you care for each and every one. Lord, your goal was to restore what had been broken. And this morning as we look at your word, Lord, I pray that you would show that to us in a powerful way. I pray, Lord, that you would take this passage, burn it into our lives. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Passage this morning. Just go to your, if you're going to open your Bible, just go to the last page, right? Or so. Um, Passage is in Revelation chapter 21, uh, verses 1 through 7. And it's, you know about Revelation, it's this vision that John has. This vision, this, we might call it a dream, this story that he sees played out in his mind. And he's told to write it down. And so as I read it this morning, I pray that you'd be beginning to put this vision, this dream in your own mind. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 7. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with them. And be their God. And be their God. Oops, sorry. Let's go back. I got all tangled up. Now the dwelling of God is with them, and He will live with them, and they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. Lord God, we do come to you and we are reminded that your love is so powerful. That your love changes lives. That your love has changed our lives. Lord, as we hear from you this morning, we ask that you would speak into our hearts and to our lives, each and every one of us. That Lord, the message that you would have us hear would be the one that is most powerful for each one of us. Speak that love into us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I, there wasn't a, the, a slide did not come up. Thank you, Dan Schumach. Um, I am telling you right now, if you are a children's church-er, I don't know what that is, kindergarten to fifth grade, first to sixth grade, I don't know. If you look like you fit in that group, it's time to go. If you have enough energy to run, go. Um, we are going to do this every week until we don't forget. Hey, Mike ran too. <laughs> Or maybe he has to go to the bathroom. I don't know what that. <laughs> I don't know. You'll have to ask him. I don't... Anyway, that that was that that was supposed to be one of those public announcements that um, that we're going to do every week, and we're going to try to have a slide up right before the last song um, because we are guilty. I am guilty. I used to make fun of Pastor Dave, like, why can't he remember that? And then I, why can't I remember that? Come on, it happens every week, right? Habits are hard to get a hold of and to, to change, and we're going to work on that. So I want to encourage you that. Uh, the other thing I need to tell you um, is that if you did not pick up your year-end giving report um, in the back of the Narthex after first service, uh, I think Kim and Brenda will be there again this week, um, please stop by and pick those up. Um, that saves us the, the postage and the time, and it makes uh, Kim's life a whole lot simpler. Um, so I'll ask you to do that. Uh, if you gave and your name was somehow connected to that any time last year, she has you on record and wants to make sure you have that paper. You can do with it whatever you like, but it's a lot of weight off of her shoulders once we do that. Um, and we want to, honestly, it's a big job that she has to do, so um, that just helps her out. So this morning, though, we want to talk about what's new. And we've been going through week, this is the final week, so if you don't want to find out anything new, this is it, all right? You just hang tight for today, (laughs) and you'll hear something new next week, but it won't be me. (laughs) Um, But we've been talking about what's new. It's January, and we've talked all month about a new year, a year of transitions, new things in our, own, in our lives. And so we've looked at the Scripture and looked at moments in, in, in history of God and His people and those moments where God did something new. And that's exciting. Are you, exci- you guys don't look excited today. I'm excited today. I don't know if it was the pot of coffee I had before you got here. I promise you I had no Mountain Dew, but I am pretty wound up today. I feel excited. This passage is exciting. 
And I'm hoping you're excited, or at least God begins to get you excited. This is the hope that we share. This is the hope that we go outside these doors and we share with the rest of the world. We talked this week or this month about how hopeless some things can be. If you watch the news, I tell you that I don't like watching the news unless I'm going to watch the last 30 seconds because it's pretty hopeless in my mind until the last 30 seconds. And then finally, we're going to give you a little shot of something good to get you to come back tomorrow and watch it again. That's just temporary hope. The hope we talk about today, that's eternal hope. That's exciting. And so you may remember that we started out the month in Genesis and we talked about God's mercy. That moment when Adam and Eve had made a decision. They had sinned and fallen. And God offered mercy through that sacrifice. He clothed them with clothes from an animal that was sacrificed. It didn't take care of it forever, but it took care of it at that moment. God was able to rebuild that relationship. That was an exciting moment. Because at that moment, Adam and Eve were out hiding in the weeds, right? Afraid that God was going to punish them. Why? Because they did exactly what he said not to do. Boy, does that sound familiar to us. We do sometimes exactly what we are told not to do. And some of us live our lives like that, right? I did it as a kid. I'm pretty good at it as an adult. I always said, that's why I didn't go into the military. Because they always tell you what to do. And I don't need any more of that. I got married. (laughs) Just kidding. I only say that because I have an awesome wife and an awesome marriage. And it's about to be 28 years and... And, so, and I know I can poke at her because we have an awesome uh, marriage. So, <laughs> Don't worry, honey. We're going to do something good next weekend. <laughs> Did you continue I can take the heat. That's right. <laughs> Duck and cover. Throw it at Kenny. No. <laughs> and then the second week, we talked about the new hope. You remember that? We talked about 400 silent years where God didn't say anything that it, to his people. And they begin to lose hope that they would ever that there would ever be a Messiah. And God began to reveal that. God didn't quit working, but he revealed that through this Jesus who would come. And you remember John the Baptist would say, This Jesus, he's coming. The hope that you have been looking for. And last week we we finished up that that idea of something new when we talked about the solution. In Hebrews, do you remember in chapter 9 of Hebrews? And, we, and Hebrews talks a lot about there's all these things, and then there's Jesus. And it kind of compares back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it goes all the way to the end. And, it, and it, what the Hebrews writer is saying is there is no comparison. There is nothing in this world like the solution that Jesus is. And today we're going to talk about what's new about restoration. And one of the first things I want you to think about is the last three weeks were things that already happened in history. Those were new at the time that they happened, but they've already happened, and we saw how that worked. And today's passage talks about something that has not happened yet. And that should be a little bit exciting. That should be exciting to you. 
This is upcoming. This is going to happen. You see, there's, there's this common thought that God created the world in Genesis 1 through 3. Man messed it up, and then God spent the rest of the Bible trying to put the pieces back together. Um, which is really, honestly, what happens. But it goes all the way to the end where he does put it back together. And he begins to restore, once and for all, that relationship. Some would say that at the end, that he rebuilds that Garden of Eden for us to be involved in eternally. So God restores and has a desire to restore that relationship. He has worked so hard because we're hard-headed. <laughs> and we're not very good at it, are we? And so we have all these ideas about what heaven will look like. Right? If you've watched a movie or the cartoons, I probably watch more cartoons than movies about heaven. But I always think of the cartoons where, where there's little clouds and the little wings on the angel and I, they put a halo on him and he floats around and he might go to the pearly gates. We have all these ideas of what eternity might look like. Um, some, of them, some of them may have some scriptural backing. Some of them, they're just people's ideas, right? And sometimes we put so much time and energy and emphasis on the process. That how are we going to get, when does this world end? When does this moment, when, when will God stop what's going on here and begin that transition? And we, you know, we call it the tribulation. And there's a, a lot of time and energy and a lot of scriptures that point to pieces of that. And we do spend a lot of time and energy trying to sort that out. And that's not a bad thing. But I want you to this, for this morning to step back a little bit. Because there are a lot of ideas. There are a lot of good ideas, but we don't have step one, step two, step three. We don't have each and every detail in place for that. And I just want to remind you that if, if you hear someone who decides that um, they do have the details, including the dates and those things, go to Matthew 24, 36, because even Jesus says, no one knows, only my Father in heaven. And I want to encourage you to, to, to put any of those ideas to that test. Because that's the facts. That's the Scripture. So we're going to back up and look at a little wider lens. Because I, 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 what's really important is that God restores that relationship with us. That's what's most important. And that's what John is saying in this passage as he's showing this vision. Uh, and the very first thing that he, he shows is that God will restore the environment. Now, this is not a tree hugger's point in the sermon. That's not what I'm saying. But the Scripture says exactly there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. It will be new. The first heaven, the first earth has passed away. There will no longer be any sea, but there will be a new city, the new Jerusalem coming down. And it will be prepared as a bride. For her husband. That's that was my Google search of what that might look like. I like the giraffes. Not gonna lie, I'm not sure giraffes will be walking around. I don't know. I, obviously, this is some man's. Um, 
idea. This is the point I want to jump on because I think it's really cool. John sees this vision, but what he sees is this, it will be beautiful as a bride dressed for her husband. Most, I'm sure all of us have been to a wedding at one place or another. And I've been involved in a bunch of weddings. And I will tell you that there are a few places where you will see a man's emotions be challenged at that moment. Even the tough guys who say, I'm not going to cry when my my wife-to-be comes around that corner. I have had some young men, or older men, I have had some men that I wasn't really sure we were going to make it. They got weak in the knees. And the tears started to flow. And the emotions were built up. Because they just could not hardly fathom that that beautiful bride. See, it's not that she was in a certain dress or that she would taken a bath, right? I mean, those are normal things. You can't tell that. <laughs> oh. But there was so much more emotion involved because that bride had decided that that that, uh, groom was the one. And there's something extremely special about that. That, that. That moment in life where you realize that there's someone who loves you so much that they would walk up this aisle and say, I do. And John says, that's what the new heaven and new earth is going to look like. He said that... He uses what he sees and what, what I think we would agree is one of the most precious moments in the, in the life of a person, right? God calls us believers in Christ the bride. And so he sees that moment and it's when we're overtaken by emotion and not just this shallow emotion, but we're overtaken by that emotion that this person would love us so much that they would spend the rest of their lives with us. And 28 years into this, it's only more amazing to me each and every day that how shallow that love was compared to today's love. And we're, we're, we're reminded of that as we go through the struggles of life, right? The struggles of life bring us to those moments where there is God... And my wife. <laughs> Those probably, sometimes it feels like, well, they're the only two that are on the right side, on my side, right? <laughs> but we go through those years of marriage and it's, and it's so deep and powerful and it grows to this love. And you know what I'm talking about when you see a couple who has been married 50 years and you go to their anniversary party or 60 years. That's, that's, even, that's even more amazing. My wife and I, by, by the way, decided this weekend that we're going for 75. Um, she's like, how old will I be anyway? <laughs> I said, really old. <laughs> I said, I tried to make that a compliment. She's like, mm, yeah, not a compliment. So <laughs> it didn't end as well. But we know what that looks like when we see it. We see a couple who's more and more in love the further into the relationship that they go. And, and John says that's what this new world will look like. It'll be so exciting and new. Now this is kind of an odd picture. But it reminds me 
This, this picture is part of an art gallery of, I think it was 56 people, who decided to take everything they had in this world and put it in one picture with them. And I will say most of them were younger, probably because they have less stuff, right? I'm not sure, and that's the point of this picture. I'm not sure I could get all my stuff in this picture. How about you? I don't think I can get all my stuff in one picture. They're going to have to pan back. The point being is that all of this stuff is exactly that. It's stuff. Don't get so hung up on the things that you have or the things that you want. Put the right things in the right place because all of this stuff will be gone. At that point when God says, I've had enough, and he changes the plan, it's all going to be gone. And it'll all be stuff. So be careful we don't make that stuff our God. You know, that passage about having idols, we always go to that, that commandment and we make it like, well, if I'm going to have this big gold idol, right? And I'm going to worship that idol. When the reality is we all have idols, sometimes creep into our lives. And they quickly take over our time. And they quickly take over our energy. And they quickly take over our desires to be in relationship with other people. And I don't know what your idol is, but this passage reminds me that it's all going to be gone and that we probably shouldn't put too much stock in all those idols that we have in our lives. See, they're they're not bad things inherently, but when they take us away from God and take us away from our relationship with Christ, that's when they become idols. I want to, this passage uh, talks about those things. Those things in our life, right? The world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God We'll live forever. That relationship that we have with God is what's most important. The second uh, thing that God offers and wants to restore and restores in at the end is the relationship that He has with us. It says they will be His people and God Himself will be with them and He will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no mourning, no crying or pain, and the old order of things have passed away. Isn't that a little bit exciting? We are not going to have to worry about every little thing. The older I get, the pain one really comes to light. When I crawl out of bed, it's like, oh! And that's an easy one, right? I think about crying and mourning and all those broken relationships that are a part of each and every one of our lives. It says God's going to come back and He's going to dwell with His people. Now I will tell you that my first thought was, great, God's going to live in my cul-de-sac and this grass is going to be absolutely perfect, Right? He says He's going to dwell with us. 
That's exciting. He's going to dwell with us. We've never experienced that. We've had a taste of that through the Holy Spirit. But we have never experienced what Adam and Eve experienced. That opportunity to dwell with God. That broken relationship fixed. We've had a bunch of uh, babies born in the last couple months. And I don't think there's a better uh, example of a pure relationship than when it comes to a baby, right? Most, maybe mostly because that baby can't fight back yet. <laughs> I don't know. But you watch a parent have their first, when their parents have their first child and they have that baby, there's that look in their eye. Or when a grandparent for the first time picks up that baby and holds that baby. That relationship is, is amazing. Nothing in that relationship at that moment is tainted. Except maybe a diaper, right? And for whatever reason, that doesn't matter at all. That relationship is pure and beautiful. It's, it's amazing to me when I, I see some babies come out and they have cone heads and, you know, they have, sometimes they're banged up a little bit and sometimes they just aren't these beautiful pictures that we see. But that means nothing to those parents. There's this beauty in that child, in that relationship. And that's what God wants for us. That's what He's going to rebuild and restore. That we will have that relationship. A pure relationship. Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians, now we see just a poor reflection in the mirror. But then we just see face to face. And we'll know in part, what we know in part now, we will see fully. We will fully understand and be able to see that God. And how much He loves us. Just think about how much He loves us at this moment. And how much more we'll be overwhelmed by the experience of being with God. That's exciting. I hope you're excited about that. God wants to rebuild or restore broken relationships. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're feeling like there's a broken relationship with God this morning, that you don't leave with that broken relationship. You have the opportunity to come to call upon God and rebuild that relationship. Maybe you have never had a relationship. There's an opportunity to do that this morning. Before you leave, you can, you can live life a whole lot different. That hope that you may not have had when you walked in, you can have when you walk out. That is exciting. This eternity that God is going to restore for each and every one of us is available through the blood of Jesus. We've talked about that for the last couple weeks. That blood was a permanent covering for us. God has given us that opportunity to call upon His name. And so if you have a broken relationship this morning, I want to encourage you to step out, come to the altar. I'd love to pray with you. We have other people who would love to pray with you. Or you can take it to the altar on your own. If you want to have a relationship with this Jesus Christ that you you don't know, 
personally. You may have heard all about him. Yeah, you've been to the Easter program. But that's not what will get you into heaven. That's not what gets you eternal life. It's a relationship. And it's not your parents' relationship or your grandparents' relationship or your best friend's relationship. It's your relationship. Please, if you have not made that decision and you want to do that today, I would encourage you at the end to come forward. And finally, God says that we will He will be our God and we will be His son or daughter, His child. Anyone who is victorious, who has made that decision in their own life, anyone who has made that decision in their life to follow after God will gain an inheritance. There's something interesting about inheritance to me. Most inheritance comes with a, with a twist, right? In order to gain the inheritance, we, we rem- most often in order to gain that inheritance, someone has to die. And so we have a little bit of a tainted view of inheritance because it's, I, it's here, but I have to wait to get it. And this is a different view of inheritance. God says, you don't have to wait any longer. Come. You're my child. You're my child. Come and get your inheritance. It says, though for we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in this new life. And a couple verses down, I just want to read the end. It says, anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And Paul is talking about anyone who has died to their old nature. Anyone who has made the decision that they're going to go forward and understand who this Jesus is and and bring Him into their life has died and been freed from that sin. But there's a very distinct decision that must be made. It's not if I'm good. We talked about that last week, about the scales. It's not if I'm better, if I do more good stuff than I do bad stuff. Scripture says all have sinned and fallen short. We're all sinners. Not a one of us is in any better or worse place. We're all sinners, short of the glory of God. And that's why we need the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are so thankful for your word. Thankful, Lord, for the reminder that there are better things to come, Lord. For some of us, it has been a rough week or a rough month, or a rough year, or maybe a rough life. And Lord, we've heard about this relationship, but we've never experienced that relationship. Lord, we're reminded that as soon as we begin that relationship, eternity with You begins. We don't have to wait until death or until the world ends. We have eternity at that moment. That we begin an eternal relationship with You. Lord, I just pray this morning for anyone who has not made that commitment in their own life. That Lord, You would 
soften their hearts at this moment. That, Lord, they would hear this message, hear your words, think about their eternal standing, and be drawn to you. Lord, we are so thankful that you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.